glad you came to worship in the name of Jesus. There's no God like our God, amen. Well, we're not going to move away from this. We're going to continue to worship, but we're going to do it by listening to his word because he's spoken to us. Isn't that cool? So why don't you find your seats and let's get our Bibles. And would you go with me to Ephesians chapter 5? Ephesians chapter 5. Uh, this morning, you'll, uh, if you don't have a Bible, you will notice that our ushers are coming around. Would you just uh, get their attention? They would love to give you a Bible. And uh, some of you asked about this. I just really want you to know, if you don't have a Bible, that one's yours, okay? It's a gift. We want you to have it. We want you to read it. Would you bring it back next week? We're going to continue to study it. So we are here in Ephesians chapter 5. And uh, some of you may know that oftentimes we will uh, categorize the population of the world into two people groups. You may know them as morning people and night owls. Do you know what I'm talking about? How many, how many uh, morning people do we have here today, self-proclaimed. Yes, I, I knew that you would be super fired up to let us know about that. All right, on the opposite end of the spectrum, those of you who would just say, hey, ain't me, I am a night owl. We got a lot more. See, okay, it's funny. I actually asked the morning people because I thought that you would be way more enthusiastic at 10 o'clock in the morning, but I guess everybody else just woke up. It's not really as binary as that, right? There are those of us who, uh, I would say probably more normal people, that we would say, uh, my optimal business hours are between nine and noon. Anything before or after that is like, I just can't be held responsible for, right? You morning people, you love the sunrise. You love it when it gets light out. I mean, you just spring out of bed, you throw open the curtains, flip on the lights, and you're just fired up for the day. And the rest of you, that would be blasphemous. And it would probably be really depressing and potentially dangerous for anybody that's standing nearby. Um, we, we realize that those of you who are more night owls, w- when the sun goes down, that's when you come alive. You get fired up. Well, regardless of whenever you go to bed or get up in the morning, uh, do you like light or do you like it when it's dark? Do you like it when it's light outside or do you like it when it's dark outside? Well, many of you may have noticed that the title of our message this morning is we love light. So here's, I, I, I just need to clarify because I don't want to give the wrong impression. Paul is speaking about spiritual metaphors, light versus darkness. But here, here, hey, I am not saying, everybody say not. I am not saying that if you are a night owl that you are automatically living in sin, nor am I trying to give ammo to our morning people uh, to be uh, potentially obnoxious or overly spiritual about what time you get out of bed. Uh, Not that you would ever do that, but here's the deal. It doesn't matter what time you get out of bed. It doesn't matter what time you go to bed. We still love you, right? Right? Turn to your neighbor and say, still love you. We still love you. But the question this morning is, do you love the light? You know, one of the biggest challenges that we have to walking in the light and actually loving it is that we're living in a world that loves darkness, right? And we're living in a culture where the temptations to sexual immorality are everywhere. They revel in the light. And they would love for us to join in 
Ephesians 5, if you're there, listen to what Paul says starting in verse 3. Verse 3, he says, but sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you. Let me just read that again. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead, let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure, or who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead. and Christ will shine on. Are you feeling like maybe a like your stomach doesn't feel so great right now? Are you feeling a little hot behind the ears? That maybe God is bringing you under conviction already by his word. I'm not Listen, I'm, I the last thing that I want to do is be harsh, but I'm also not naive that there are some of you who have not been walking in the light and you've been living in sexual immorality and impurity, coveting. And I know like as soon as you hear this, you're like, many of you probably dismiss this as like, oh, this is like a men's message. This is one of those purity talks that we have to have, but Actually, I think there are far too many women in here that know that God is talking to you as well. We live in a culture that is saturated in sexual immorality. You can see, you can read, you can try whatever you want, and there have been far too many nights under the cover of darkness where you are being tempted to indulge in your lusts. Grabbing after instant gratification glued to images on a screen or sitting and watching entire sex scenes without turning it off and maybe wanting what you don't have in marriage, dissatisfied and 
and, and toying in your mind with that connection that you feel with that person at work or uh, maybe even flirting and just giving into your emotions and you're just caught in this addiction. Can I tell you something I know about you? If you are a believer, I know that you hate it. I know that you hate that you love it. And you would say like Paul says in Romans chapter 7, I do not understand what my own actions, for I, I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Feel that? I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. And you're tired of sneaking around in the shadows and all the shame and all of the secrets and you know it's wrong and you have tried so many times to stop, right? How many times have you said like, Lord, I'm, I'm never doing this again. I never want to, I, 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 I'm, I'm done with this. I, I don't want this in my life anymore. And you've, you've gone forward and you've raised your hand and you've put a stake in the ground and you said, this is it. I'm never going back only to find yourself in that pit the next day. And what breaks my heart is that some of you may have begun to give up hope that change is even possible. You've been so caught in it for so long that when you read verses like this here in Ephesians chapter 5, it actually kind of scares you. This is light. The idea of being exposed having my darkest secrets and my dark closets exposed is kind of scary. Hey church, can I tell you, there is so much hope. There are better days ahead for any who are tired of living in the shadows of shame and secrets. And this morning, I think Paul wants us to know that because of Jesus, you can actually grow to love the light. And he wants to convince us let God's Word awaken our hearts to a satisfying joy that you don't even think right now is even possible. I think God wants to do that here today. Lord, would you speak to us God, the messenger is nothing. The message is everything. We need a message of hope today. We're going to unapologetically preach your word because these are serious matters. These are weighty things. And I long, I long for our church to be free. That we would not have these dark secrets, these closets, these corners that we think nobody knows about. That we would not live in shame. We would not live in guilt. That feeling gnaws at us. That we might be found out at any moment. But Lord, I'm praying that you're going to give us hope. That you're going to transform lives even today. There are better days ahead because of Jesus. We pray for that this morning. It's in His precious name we pray. Amen.
Well, we have a rule in our house. I am not allowed to uh, sneak snacks late at night while everybody else is in bed. Uh, this rule especially applies to ice cream uh, because it, I think I've told you this before, it's a weakness of mine and uh, it calls to me from the freezer. And, and, and here's the deal. I, I love it and, and I would. If it was up to me and my fleshly desires, man, I'd be at that freezer every night sneaking ice cream. The problem is my kids know this rule. And so anytime that we bust out a tub of ice cream, and like, honestly, that doesn't happen very often, but anytime that we do, they're ready, like, Daddy, Daddy, were you sneaking ice cream last night? I'm like, I can't get away with anything, and it's actually really good accountability. Here's what I want to ask you this morning. Hey, if you're taking notes, can I ask you this? Why are you sneaking junk food at night? Why are you sneaking junk food at night? Let me tell you why I'm asking you that. I think Paul has been telling us in, in verses 3 and 4, he's kind of carrying on a conversation that he's already given us about how we grow. You remember that? We're going to put off the old self. We're going to be renewed in the spirit of our minds, and we're going to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. We've got to put something on in its place. But what he's going to tell us to put off here in verses 3 and 4, this is all just junk food, okay? So here it is, verse 3. If you're there with me, he says, but sexual immorality... Now, many of you may have heard that this word in the Greek is the word porneia. It means, it really kind of a general term, it means all kinds of sexual sins. It's talking about pornography, sex outside of marriage, adultery. Paul's also probably warning against uh, sex with prostitutes. He's, he's trying to cover the basis here. Any kind of sexual morality you can think of. And what's crazy is you don't have to go very far in our culture to find this stuff, do you? He's saying sexual immorality and uh, all impurity. That word has a moral sense of, of filthy, dirty, gross. It's just, it's unclean. It's like if you ordered water at a restaurant and instead they brought you a cup of sewage. You're like, man, I'm not drinking that. That's gross. That's kind of the image that we're supposed to have in our minds when we think about this. So no sexual immorality, no impurity, and then uh, covetousness. Uh, maybe not a word that we use very often, but this just means I want more. I'm not happy with what I have. I just always want something else. I'm not satisfied with my life. I'm not satisfied with my marriage. It's, it's greedy. And, and, and in the context of, uh, of kind of uh, sexual in, uh, immorality here in this sense, it has the idea that, that other people exist for your own gratification. This is eyes scanning someone up and down, checking them out, just viewing them as kind of a piece of meat as, as your own personal sex toy. It's, it's gross. It's not, not something that we want. And maybe even less than just the sexual way, it, it could mean that you're so fed up with the failures of your husband that you're looking for fulfillment, maybe some steamy romance novels or, or shows or magazines or uh, liking passive-aggressive posts about your dissatisfaction in marriage and welcoming and enjoying compliments from another man who's more appreciative of you. It's just, you're, you're just wanting something else that you don't have. And what Paul is saying to us is, put that stuff off. That stuff must not even be named among you. There shouldn't be any reason that outsiders would associate us with that stuff as is proper among saints. Meaning, it doesn't fit who we are in Christ. There should be a distinction. 
people shouldn't be looking at Harvest Fairfax and saying like, they do all the same stuff we do. And then he moves on to our words, verse four. Let there be no filthiness. That word is, uh, means obscene or lewd talk or, or foolish talk. That just means literally like talking like a moron and no crude joking. This is kind of an interesting word because uh, it originally had the idea of someone who is witty, someone who's really funny. And, and, and we kind of value people that are witty and funny, except Paul is using this in its most deteriorated form to mean just basically dirty jokes. This is the person that can turn no matter what it is that you say, they can always turn it into some cheap, crass joke. You know the people I'm talking about? Well, like, are, are you someone that others are comfortable telling dirty jokes to? Paul's saying, like, put this stuff off. Like, all of this, immoral, impure, lost, this, this doesn't belong in your life. Put that off. But there's got to be something we're putting on in this place, right? But what are we putting on? Look at verse 4. Don't look at me. Look at the text. Verse 4. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor cr- crude joking, which are out of place, but instead, let there be, what? Thanksgiving. Why Thanksgiving? What, like, can we be honest? If some of these like put off and put on examples that he gives here, they like make total sense, right? Put off lying. Stop lying and put on truth. That makes sense. Put off uh, words that tear down and instead put on words that build up. I get that. So, so why, why Thanksgiving? How is that the opposite of all this immorality and lust? Well, think about the difference between someone who says, I I need, I need, I want, I want, versus someone who says, thank you. See, thankfulness flows from a person who is content, someone who's grateful. Lust grabs at what it wants with this insatiable thirst and an uncontrolled appetite. Like, I just want more. That's lust. But, but thanksgiving, contentment, says, I, I got everything I need. Like we said this morning, way more than I deserve. As someone who has discovered that Jesus is better then all of those sexual temptations can look at all of that stuff and say, I don't, I don't need that. That's just junk food. Why, why would I want that? I found something way better. That stuff doesn't even tempt me anymore. Why are you sneaking junk food at night? You're, you're huddled over by the freezer just gorging yourself on that stuff, thinking that it's going to satisfy you, thinking that that stuff is going to make you happy. And I know that many of you, you feel like you're caught in it. You're like, man, I, I want, I, I can't help it. The desire, it's so strong. It's like I'm pulled into this. I'm stuck. I feel like I can't get out of it. My desires are just too strong. Well, I love what C.S. Lewis has said. He said, no, no, no. Our Lord would, it seems that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. So like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea, we are far too easily pleased. And the reason Lewis says this is because he knows, he's tasted, he knows that Jesus is better. This is, this is what we've looked at in Isaiah 55 verse 2. 
This is why are you spending your your money on what doesn't satisfy and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Why are you eating that junk? You're wasting your wants. You're just eating garbage. That stuff's not not, not going to satisfy you. It's not going to make you happy. Why are you wasting your money on this? Instead, he says, listen diligently to me and eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. I want you to have something better. And Jesus himself in John 6, he's the fulfillment of this. You know what he said? He said, I am the bread of life. I'm what satisfies. And so if you found in like Psalm 34, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Do you know? Do you know that Jesus tastes better? That he alone is satisfying? And I know like you're, you're, you, we tasted the temptations of this world and so it's hard for us to get this taste out of our mouth but somehow we've determined that I'd rather live in this little mud hole, this slum when Jesus all the while is wanting to take us to the beach so that we can be plunged into an ocean of infinite soul-satisfying wonder and joy. Why would I want any of this when I can have all of Him? He is so much better. Do you know? Have you tasted? Do you know that Jesus is satisfying? And I know that you've desperately, some of you have been trying hard to put this off. Stop this stuff. I don't want this in my life. You know it's wrong. You don't want it. You realize it's junk. You hate that you love it, but you're trying to quit. So the question is, why isn't it working? Why haven't you been able to quit? It doesn't matter how many times you slam the freezer door shut saying with resolve and determination, I'm never eating this junk food again. I'm never going back here again. I, I, this is it. I'm not going to do it again. You're, and honestly, you're kind of hoping that this time you really mean it and it's going to take. But deep down inside, you kind of, in the back of your mind, know that you're probably going to be there again tomorrow night. Why can't we stop? Well, think about it like this. As parents, oftentimes we will use consequences and rewards with our kids. Right? Kind of an effective way to parent sometimes. Like, if you eat your dinner, you'll get dessert, right? If you eat dessert, or eat your dinner, we'll give you dessert. That'll be a reward. Or else, or else... We're going to make you sit here all night and it's going to get cold and then you're just going to go to bed and then we're going to feed it to you again tomorrow for breakfast, right? Like that's, that's not how it goes in my house. But you understand like there's, there's, what drives us nuts is that it makes so much sense up here, right? You're like, just eat your food. Just eat your food. Like if, if you eat this, you're going to avoid the consequences and you're going to get rewards. Just, it makes so much sense. So why don't they obey? It makes sense because they don't want to. You know it's wrong. You know that all of this junk food is just hurting you. It makes total sense to you. You know that some of the choices that you're making now in the shadows are eroding the foundations of your life. 
eroding the foundations of your marriage. And you know that if something doesn't change, the ones that you love are going to be ripped apart. You know how many people you're going to hurt. You know it, don't you? The problem is you know it. You just don't want the solution more than your sin. I'm telling you, the gospel is going to change you. The gospel is going to change you. Because the only thing that can supplant your sinful desires is a stronger desire for the Savior who truly satisfies. It's the only thing. Do you know? Do you know? Come and taste and see that the Lord, He alone is good. You say, man, I want that. I want that. But I've still got this taste in my mouth for sin. I keep running back to it. I want it. Can I, can I challenge you? Here, here's what I would like you to do. This week, if you would say, man, I, I want that so badly, you need to develop a heart of thanksgiving. So would you go to Psalm 103? And I want you to live there this week. I want you to spend every single day in Psalm 103 this week. You're going to read this. You're going to spend time at His feet. And you need to hear these words. Psalm 103 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And listen, listen. Forget not all His benefits. Man, some of you are so tied to these lusts. You're so drawn to these things. It's because you've forgotten what God has done for you. You've forgotten how great He is. You've forgotten that He's the only one that satisfies. You've forgotten what He's done. Let me tell you what He's done. He forgives all your iniquities. He heals all your diseases. He redeems your life from the pit. He crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. He satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness. He works justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful. The Lord is gracious. The Lord is slow to anger. The Lord is abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he he remove our transgressions from us as a father shows compassion to his children so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him do you know do you know that we have so much to be thankful for do you know that he is good have you tasted and seen this is a great and glorious God and we have so much to be thankful for and Paul wants us so desperately, he's already said this in Ephesians chapter 3. He says, I want you to be strengthened so that you can comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, what is the length, what is the height, what is the depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled, filled with all the fullness of God. Church, we're not empty. We are full. We have a satisfying Savior. Do you believe this? So why are you sneaking junk food at night when you can feast in the presence of a glorious God every day? No more sneaking junk food at night. I got a better taste. I got something I want more. Your heart is going to overflow with thanksgiving. You want to learn to love the light? 
Stop sneaking junk food at night. And then this. Walk out in the warmth of the sun. Walk out in the warmth of the sun. Let me tell you why I say that. I don't know about you and your house, what it's like, but in my house, winter is just a little rough. You know what I'm saying? It gets dark really early. It's cold. We all get colds. And like I, like, I love Christmas. We love that. And I'd be cool with a white Christmas. That'd be really fun. But by the time January, February comes around, I'm like, okay, that's enough. Like, ready for some sunshine. Anybody with me? Anybody? Do you love the light? Do you love the light? Paul's trying to convince you that it is so much better. He's trying to tell you, come on out. Take a walk in the warmth of the sunshine. It's so much better out here. He wants to let you know that you're free. Do you know you're free? Look at verse 5. Here's an incredible warning. He says, you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure, who is covetous, that's an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Everybody sat up and paid attention because you realize this is serious. He's not messing around. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Do you know? Immorality is serious. Do you know? Coveting, that's dangerous. But in Christ, look at what, you you think about this. You don't get an inheritance. If this is the things you're going to love, there are two people. Those who say to the Lord, thy will be done. And those to whom the Lord says, thy will be done. Which do you want? What do you want? But he's saying, if if we belong to Jesus, you are free. You, You can avoid the wrath. You get an inheritance. And it's not because you've, earned it. It's because of grace. Instead, you get grace. Isn't being free awesome? Come on out in the light. We're free. And he says, verse 7, do not become partners with them. Now that doesn't mean that we don't want to hang out with unbelievers anymore, okay? This, This is not like when your parents said, don't talk to strangers. We are not a church like that. They're unbelievers. Don't talk to them. That's not what he means. What he's really trying to say is, don't join up with them. Don't do the same stuff they're doing. That's not who you are anymore. You don't belong with that crowd. Because, verse 8, at one time you were darkness, but not anymore. You are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. This is your I was, but God story. You're free. You don't belong in the shadows anymore. This darkness has no power over you any longer. So what he's saying to you is like a, like a beautiful spring morning. You can emerge from that hole that you've been living. Come on, walk out in the warmth of the sunshine. This is where you belong. This is who you are. Can you taste the freedom? Don't go slinking back into the shadows to sneak junk food in secret and shame. He says, walk as children of light. That means there's a difference in the way you're going to live. You're going to live like you're free. We're not afraid of the light anymore. I know light is pretty scary to anyone who's ashamed of what they've been up to. Light is terrifying to someone who doesn't want to be exposed, doesn't want to get caught afraid of the consequences and trying to hide deepest, darkest secrets. Don't want anybody to see. And and I'm afraid that some of you may go to great lengths to make sure that nobody ever sees your darkest closets. 
You hide. You hide your thoughts. You hide your texts. You hide your internet history. You hide your past. You don't let anyone get too close. Don't ever share what's really going on in your life. You're just trying to hide. Like, don't want anybody to see. Stop kidding yourself. God sees it all. You know that? God sees it all. But what you're going to find is that when the gospel of Christ floods the depths of your darkness with light, instead of being consumed, instead of being burnt up by the wrath of God, instead, because we are in Christ, he gives us grace and he ensures us that he loves us. Do you know? God already sees. God knows your worst. And he paid for it on the cross. You're already found out. But in Christ, you are now forgiven. No need to fear. And so that light then becomes comforting. It becomes freeing. It's kind of the greatest feeling in the world to be able to lay your head down on the pillow at night. No guilt. It's not gnawing at me. No shame. Nothing to hide. I'm not looking over my shoulder hoping they're not going to find something out. I'm free. The worst has been exposed and I'm forgiven. We're free. And then we also bear fruit. Look at what he says, verse 9. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. Your light, when you're walking in the light, it's going to stand out, okay? It's going to shine. Other people are going to see it. They're going to know it's different. And so, verse 10, you're going to try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. You've got new desires. I want to please Christ. That's my goal. I don't want this stuff anymore. I found something so much better. And I want to please Him. Is your goal to please Christ? Here's a few areas of application then. If you want to please Christ and walk in the light, here's one. Change what you consume. If you're walking in the light, you're going to change what you consume. You're going to be careful the things that you're exposing yourself to, the things that you're putting into your mind, the things you watch on Netflix, the books you read, the magazines you read, the, uh, what you listen to, what apps you use, what sites you visit. You're, you're, like, you're, you're going to guard this. I'm going to be careful because I'm walking in the light. I got, I got new desires, man. I don't want that stuff anymore. I'm going to change what I consume. And then don't jump your moral fences. Don't jump your moral fences. Remember those? We've talked about these. We put up moral fences to keep us from going over the edge of a cliff. And we've said we don't put the, we don't put the fence right up by the edge because if I do jump it, that's disastrous. We put it as far away as we can from that edge because I don't want to fall. And can I just tell you, many of you know, you can recognize when you're coming up along a familiar back alley that's going to lead you down a dark road that you're going to regret. You've been down that road before. You know it's coming, right? You can recognize it. So don't watch that show. Don't borrow that book from the library. Don't go over to his house. Don't respond to that text. Delete that app. Put your phone away late at night. What we're doing is we're learning to put up our moral fence here because I don't want to get as close to the edge as I can. If I know that that's the alley, if I know, listen, we don't want to go down that road. I want to stay as far away as I can. And if you don't have these kind of moral fences set up in your life, 
You're just flirting with disaster and you know it, right? Then this, embrace accountability. Embrace accountability. No more closets, guys. No more dark corners where you can go and hide stuff. Okay, so any area of your life that is unaccounted for, whether that's time where nobody knows what you're up to, places where nobody knows really where you are, thoughts that you don't share with anybody, unfiltered access to media, all of that stuff. If you don't have that accountable, I'm just telling you, that is a place where it could become a dark closet that you're going to be ashamed of. What we're saying is, like, remodel those closets. Rip the door off the hinges. Install a light bulb. We're going to shine some light. It's not going to, no more closets. It's not going to be a closet anymore. I want people to have access to that. I want them to know. In fact, I remember, this was kind of scary when it first happened, but I got to tell you, I love the fact that my beautiful, wonderful wife, Carissa, knows where I am and what I'm up to at all times. And she gets my internet accountability reports. I want her to have that. I'll tell you, that was scary when I first gave that to her. But I, and I know that many of you are kind of thinking the same thing, like, wow, I don't know that I want somebody like that, especially someone that uh, there would be some major consequences if they found something. But I'm telling you, it is so much more freeing to walk in the light with nothing to hide. Embrace accountability. He wants to set you free. And then expose the darkness around you. Verse 11, we're not going to partake of these things anymore, but instead expose them. Anything that is exposed by light becomes visible. And I love this. God can bring the dead to life. and Christ will shine on you. Have you been hiding in the cold, dark shadows? Been immorality, impurity in your life? No more junk food at night, okay? We found something better. Let's walk out in the warmth of the sun. It's free. It's fulfilling. This is the life. The more you walk in the light, the more you're going to love it. And I just encourage you, I know that some of you are feeling maybe the weight of the Lord is pressing in on you because of some areas that you know have been here that don't need to be. Can I just share with you this? Romans chapter 2, verse 4. Romans chapter 2, verse 4 says it's God's kindness that is meant to lead you to repentance. Do you know that? Do you, listen, it's His kindness that beckons us out of the shadows. Come on. I got something better for you. In, out of the shadows and into the glorious light of repentance. You want that? Today, let's take care of some of this stuff. Father, would you continue to use your word? We're crying out because we need you. We've got the taste of sin in our mouth. We need your help. Lord, I want so badly for our church to be free. No more secrets. No more shame. God, I don't want stories 
of people whose lives are ripped apart because they gave into their lusts, they gave into coveting and dissatisfaction with what they have. Or we want a church that is on fire, cannot wait to gather with the people and declare there is no other name. You're it. You're the one. You're the one that satisfies our soul. Would you give us a new wonder, a new joy? We would delight in you more than anything. No one's looking around. I just want to ask you, if you've got some business you need to deal with before the Lord right now, if there's been some dark corners, if there's been some shadows, immorality, impurity, coveting, you're flirting with disaster, can I just ask you, would you would you deal with that before the Lord right now? He loves you. That sin is paid for. And you can find forgiveness. You can find freedom. Would you in the quietness of your heart just pray and ask the Lord to forgive you of your sin. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. And let the things of this world just disappear. That you'd want nothing else. You pray to him right now.